Welcome to the Valentine's Day special of the Kenosha City Church Podcast, where Pastor Andy talks about life after I do. Learn how to grow in your relationship as a follower of Jesus and live a godly relationship until death do you part. Enjoy the message. Now, whenever someone asks me, Andy, can you uh, preside uh, over a wedding? Um, I say, okay, yes, uh, if, they're, if they're fellow believers, right? I said, yes, but you have to go through what's called premarital counseling. It's in this time that you begin to define what is your win. Uh, you need to make sure that you're going to win in, in communication, that you're going to win when it comes to budgeting, that you're going to win with your goals, but most importantly, that you're going to win in the Lord, that, you're, that your relationship is going to be centered on the Lord. Because listen, when you enter a team, if you don't know what the win is, unfortunately, things get really messy really quickly. In fact, when I think of the, uh, one of the greatest teams, I can't help think of the apostles, right? The first disciples, the apostles. You think that when they spent time with Jesus, like they'd just be glowing Jesus all the time, right? That's not necessarily the case. In fact, oftentimes the disciples forgot what the win is. In Luke chapter 20, 22, verse 24, uh, we see here, a dispute arose among the disciples of which of them was considered to be the greatest. Oh, it's considered to be the greatest. Now think of this. The disciples hanging out with Jesus and a dispute arose amongst them uh, of who was going to be the greatest. And, <laughs> I, you know, when I read this, I'm just thinking, man, they're just so dumb, right? Like you're with Jesus the entire time. How could you dispute something so crazy? Make no mistake. If you were with Jesus, I guarantee you, you would come up with some crazy things to argue in front of him. In fact, we do already. He's, he's, he's amongst us, right? Amen? And yet, we often do silly things, right? Well, the disciples, they were no different in that way. And so a dispute arose amongst them on who, what the greatest, who was the greatest. Now, our dispute wasn't just like, oh, are you the greatest? Am I the greatest? No, it was a great dispute. This word was a, a great calamity arose amongst them. Now, this wasn't their first time they did this. This wasn't their second time. This wasn't their third time. This was their third time, right? This was their third time where this dispute arose amongst them. And what's important about this third time, it happened right after being in the upper room eating the Lord's Supper. Can you believe that? This beautiful Lord's Supper. And then they start going down and they start arguing, I'm the greatest. I can just hear John, right? I am the disciple whom Jesus loved. I'm the greatest, right? And, and then you have Simon the Zealot saying, right, whatever. I'm the zealot, right? I'm zealous for Jesus and I'm zealous for Israel. Hmm. And then Andrew's like, you guys, you wouldn't all be here if it wasn't for me. I, I brought all of you guys together. And then his brother Peter's like, no way. I walked on water. I'm the greatest. And then Judas is like, yeah, but you sunk. And he's like, well, yeah, well, at least I got out of the boat. And guess what? I hear Jesus has given me the keys to the church, right? And so the disciples are constantly just vouching. They're, they're positioning themselves in a place of prominence. And Jesus is, I can just imagine, just like, oh, my goodness, not again. But we see here that Jesus' intent here was this. He said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them who exercise authority over them and call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be the youngest and those who rules like the one who serves. For the one who is greater, the one who's at the table, or the one who serves. Jesus was basically saying this. He said that we are not to be like the Gentiles. We're different. We have a message. The message of the gospel, to serve. You see, Jesus didn't come to lord it over people. He came to serve. 
And that's precisely uh, what we are to do. And that's precisely our win. And so let's turn to relationships here uh, for a moment. Just let's turn to relationships here. You see, oftentimes we don't know what the win is, right? Specifically when you're dating. Let's talk, high schoolers, college people, you in here, right? When I, I was a youth pastor for uh, nine years here and then a little bit more you know, before that. And the thing is, is I would always see these students and they'd fall in love and, oh, they're so cute. Or, oh, I just love, we just have so many common things that we like to do together. It was always external and never internal. And what would happen was, is if it didn't center around the Lord very quickly, it, it began to compromise and would almost always end in disaster. You see, we must, when we step into a team, we, we must identify what is the win. I love what Christian counselor Gary Thomas said. He said, I've rarely had a wife complain to me about her, about her husband's looks. When the wives come to me, it's almost always about character issues. Like, he shouldn't do this thing or he shouldn't do that thing. How do I fix this? So he says, before you go into marriage, most women are not seeking men of character first. They are seeking men with whom they feel in love. You see, in marriage, if you're going into it because of infatuation or, oh boy, oh, that thing's so cute, but it'll get better in marriage, <laughs> right? Does it? The thing is, it needs to be centered around that what matters most, and that is the Lord. We need to clarify the win from the onset that we are in this because the Lord is leading this. Secondly, if we're going to win, a winning team, by the way, I just want to tell you this, winning team never happens on accident, right? So if, if, you're, going to be, if you're going to be a winning team, you've got to be intentional, right? And so a winning team never happens on accident. So, of course, you need to clarify the win. Secondly, you need to clarify communication. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, this verse specifically is a verse in marriage, and we see here that, that two people willfully submit to each other. Um, now, here's the deal. In marriage, there are specific roles that complement each other, but just because there are different roles doesn't mean one is more powerful or one's better than the other. You're equal, yet you complement each other. And so, communication is so integral in your marriage. So integral. Also, I'm going to talk about this in a moment, what some of our, our roles are. But communication is key. You can have everything laid out, but if you're not communicating, here's the deal. You're going to miss why and who is leading your relationship. But secondly, you're going to miss what each other is trying to communicate to, what, to each other. And so here's what happens. And maybe you're a, a couple in this way, in this room. Uh, maybe you're communicating this way. The first way, it's either back-to-back, -back, right? You're back-to-back. -back. Meaning... You're living in the house, you're roommates, but you're not really talking, all right? This isn't good, all right? You might be thinking, oh, I'm doing my thing, they're doing their thing. We, we say hello at dinner, that's not good. You don't want to be roommates, but that's what's happened to some of the marriages. For some of us, though, we're side to side. This is a bit better, right? Uh, you do church activities, you do activities outside the house, you, you work on the house, maybe you're working at the same business, but what happens if those activities were to go away? For many of those couples, they go back to back. What you want is face-to-face. -face. Not only are you doing the side-by-side -side activities, but you're communicating. You're, you're spending time. You're setting aside space to where you can begin to talk about what's in your mind and what's in your heart. Uh, for everybody that's married, I want you to know this. You do need to spend at least one night having a date night, whether it's in the house, whether it's away, to get away to communicate. So you need to clarify your communication. 
Third is you need to clarify your legacy. You need to clarify your, your legacy. A winning team never happens on accident. So third, you need to clarify your legacy. Now here's the deal. A lot of people know why they're together or who's leading them. They're communicating, but they don't know how they're gonna end. You know, when the very first uh, thing that you do on this stage, just like yesterday, they stood right here and they said, death do us part. What they're saying is this, we're beginning the marriage today and we're gonna do this until it ends. And God's will for our relationships are to end at death. We know that many don't, but we know that God's intention and his will is for it to be at death. And listen, death is an end point. And when we reach that end point, and no one likes to think of the end point, but we need to think of the end point, because when we get to that end point, what did we raise up? What did we raise up? Deuteronomy chapter six, verse five says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk to them when you sit at your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You have stewardship with how you are raising your kids. Your leadership with your kids, you're gonna be held accountable. You're gonna be held accountable. Listen, here's the deal. You might not know how your kids are gonna turn out because there's no silver bullet and how your kids turn out. But the Bible is very clear. Within our strength, we need to do everything, whatever it takes to make sure that our children have the opportunity to rise up and live in the Lord. For many of us, our kids aren't living in the Lord because we have not taught them the way of the Lord. You can't guarantee if they're gonna walk in the Lord, but you need to set them up for success spiritually. That is your legacy. A winning team never happens on accident. Be intentional with it. Again, clarify your win, clarify your communication, and finally clarify the legacy of how you want it to end. You will not win in your relationship if Jesus isn't leading it. And so today, if there's anybody here that doesn't know Christ, I wanna give you an opportunity right now to receive Jesus into your life. So let's pray. And uh, also, I, we're gonna just have time just to meet with the Lord right now to just have him meet in our, our relationships wherever we're at, all right? So let's pray specifically for the person that's placing their faith and trust uh, in Jesus right now. So Father, we thank you. And we praise you for who you are, for your faithfulness. God, we thank you so much that you died for us. That while we are yet sinners, you died for us. God, I pray if there's anybody here in this room today, they're uncertain they have a relationship with you. That today, Lord, they would place their faith and trust in you alone. So as we pray, if there's anybody in this room today and you're uncertain you have a relationship with Jesus, know that today you can step into a saving relationship with him right now. You see, God created you to have a relationship with him, but you're separated from him. Why? Because you sinned. You see, we sin against ourselves. We sin against each other. You sin against your spouse, but ultimately you sin against Almighty God. And sin separates you from Almighty God. There's no religion or no amount of good works that can fix that. But that's the beauty of what we celebrate at Easter. Jesus came to fix that. He died on the cross to save you from your sins. How? Because on that cross, he took every single one of those sins that separate you from God, and he took it upon himself, a perfect sacrifice. He died, but death couldn't keep him because he's a perfect sacrifice, and he rose from the dead. 
The Bible says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. To receive what he did for you, you have to believe. So I'm gonna give that opportunity right now. Every head's bowed and eyes closed. If today you wanna place your faith and trust in Jesus right now, you're like, yes, Jesus, I, 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 I want forgiveness for my sins. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose from the dead. I'm stepping into faith right now. If that is you, with every head's bowed and eyes closed, we just slip up your hand right now and say, yep, that's me. That's me, thanks. That's me. Anybody else? Lord Jesus, I just pray for those that are placing their faith and trust in you right now. That Lord Jesus, they'd help them walk in their new life that they have. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to know more about Kenosha City Church, then check us out online at kenosha.church or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Kenosha City Church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to follow us so that you never have to miss an episode. At Kenosha City Church, we are not perfect people, but real people being made new through Jesus.